when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> And welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. You can follow me on Twitter at egrote5, and as always, you can check out more of my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Coming at you with a special edition of the uh, podcast today. Our focus today is fantasy football, and we are going to be talking a lot about Raiders players specifically and where you can look to draft some of these guys. I know this is a big weekend for fantasy football drafts. I have my own coming up on Saturday that I've been prepping for, so I'm excited about it. I'm a big fantasy football player, and I'm sure you are as well. I've got a great guest lined up here, Joe Dolan, a fantasy football expert, one of the best guys in the industry. So we're going to get right to that. Without further ado, here's my interview with fantasy football expert, Joe Dolan. Blue 42, blue 42, set, hey! On the line with me is fantasy football expert Joe Dolan. Joe, how's it going today? I'm doing well, Evan. How about yourself? I'm very good, very good. Um, have my first draft this weekend on Saturday, so I'm, I've been studying up, and uh, you know, I'm hoping you have some very good information for Raiders fans out there, and in particular, uh, you know, uh, Raiders players and, and where we should be drafting them. Now, I know this is a busy time of the year for you, so um, again, I do appreciate you coming coming on with me today and giving me some of your time. Those of you who don't know Joe, he is a powerhouse in the fantasy industry. Uh, since 2013, Joe has twice finished um, first. He's got a top five finish and also a top 20 finish in the FantasyPros.com draft rankings, which earned him the title of the number one pre-draft ranker from 2015 to 2018. So basically what I'm saying is this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, you can also hear Joe on Sirius XM Radio on the Fantasy Sports Channel. That's where I check him out, actually. Uh, he is one of the rotating co-hosts on the Fantasy Morning Show with John Hansen. Um, so if you're a subscriber to SiriusXM, make sure you check them out there. And finally, uh, I encourage you to check out Joe's website, uh, which is FantasyFreeAgents.com. Joe, along with his buddy Tom Broly, run a great site there. They have articles, player rankings, a podcast, and everything else that you need to to help win your fantasy league. So check them out there. All right, without, with all that uh, out of the way, let's get right into it now. Um, as I said, I have my first draft coming up on Saturday. I've been studying your rankings uh quite uh, quite extensively myself. The first question that I have for you uh, in regards to the Raiders, obviously, is when you are creating your player rankings, how much weight do you put into strength of schedule? For example, the Raiders you know, have what looks to be a pretty challenging schedule this year um, with some pretty good defenses, including the Broncos twice, the Bears, the Vikings, the Texans, and the Jaguars. So you know, how much weight does that carry in your rankings? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Not a whole lot when it comes to individual player rankings. Uh, the thing about strength of schedule, Evan, is it's something that I, I believe changes far more during the season than some of the other factors. So 
I don't want to. I don't want to go in and use strength of schedule to say, "Oh man, I much prefer." Uh, I much prefer Mark Ingram to Josh Jacobs, for instance. It's something that we take into account and we readjust based on a weekly basis when we're trying to decide, hey, who should I play in my lineup or who should I put in my DFS lineup? But when I go to my individual rankings, it is not one of my top three or four factors that I use. Occasionally, it'll be a tiebreaker. But when I use that tiebreaker, it's almost always for, okay, who are they playing in the fantasy playoff weeks? Who are they playing in weeks 13 through 16? And really only then do I use it as a tiebreaker. I think strength of schedule is often one of the more overrated things we look at. The one place I do look at it is uh, in drafting a defense. Because even though we rank defenses up at fantasyfreeagents.com, I almost will never draft just based on a straight rankings list on a defense. I want to draft a defense that has an easy week one matchup and ideally beyond that. Uh, So that's where I'll actually really factor in strength of schedule. Um, Maybe if the team's in a tougher division, uh, I guess, you know, the Raiders do play against the Broncos and the Chargers. I don't, I'm not terribly fond of the Chiefs defense, even though I think they might have improved a little bit. Um, I'm not terribly fond of that defense. So it's not really a huge factor for me when I'm ranking players preseason. Sometimes I, I, I think uh, one of the terms that we like to use in the fantasy industry is paralysis by overanalysis. If you're breaking down who a team plays in week nine, and that's the reason that you're drafting one guy over the other, I think that might be one of the key, uh, one of the key examples of paralysis by overanalysis. All right, so let's get into the quarterback position here. Derek Carr set career highs last season in passing yards and completion percentage. Um, he's now in the second year of John Gruden's offense. They brought in some weapons for him, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams. They drafted Hunter Renfro. Um, they drafted Josh Jacobs. And they also brought in, uh, as we know, Trent Brown in free agency and also Richie Incognito. So, you know, on paper, things his cast seems to be very much improved from last year. You know, but I keep seeing in all these rankings, including yourself, um, you know, you have him twenty third rated quarterback. You know, so fight me off a little bit here. Explain to me why why is he still ranked so low based on all the upgrades? The question here is, uh, who am I ranking him ahead of? Who's ahead of him? I think you can make an an argument for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's at number twenty two. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I've been going back and forth on the two of those. Uh, I think you can make the argument for Sam Darnold at 21, but I view Darnold as having a little bit more mobility uh, than, than Derek Carr, which I think is a factor. And then you, here's two examples to illustrate the utter depth of the quarterback position for fantasy. I have Phillip Rivers, a future Hall of Famer, at number 20. And I have Tom Brady, arguably the greatest of all time, at number 19. And the reason is I just don't see the huge fantasy upside for those guys that I do for guys in front of them like Josh Allen, who has massive rushing potential, Uh, Lamar Jackson, who has massive rushing potential, Dak Prescott, who has strong rushing potential. So uh, it, it, what the, the difference is here, I wouldn't look at Derek Carr and saying, oh, my God, number 23, Joe Dolan thinks he stinks. As a matter of fact, I'm actually relatively high on the Raider offense this year. I thought they were one of those teams that I've been getting a, a vibe that they could be sneaky good. Uh, the thing with Derek Carr is the guys in front of him are so good and have a longer track record and maybe a more consistent track record of success. And that's why he slotted in there in the, in the low 20s because – it's really hard to find guys in front of him that I want to move him ahead. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes in the top 16 or so. Maybe somebody like Mitchell Trubisky drops out. 
Maybe Josh Allen regresses as a passer, even beyond where he was as a rookie. Maybe Kirk Cousins, maybe they really decide they want to run the football. But based on the weaponry, although, although it's strong for Derek Carr, we do have questions. Uh, uh, Antonio Brown is mercurial, to say the least. Uh, they have a rookie running back. Tyrell Williams, how's he going to do in a new spot? There are some questions there. That's why Derek Carr is 23, only because he has some more questions than the guys who are in front of him. Now, you kind of already alluded to my next question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyways. I saw a stat on fantasypros.com, and it said that Derek Carr has only performed at a top 12 quarterback level in only 29% um, of his 78 career games. So in your mind, is there any way he could flirt with being, you know, with finishing the season as a top 12 quarterback or, you know, what would it take to get him there? Two major things. Number one, Antonio Brown has to be Antonio Brown. And look, I know he's playing with a he used to play with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. That certainly helped matters for Antonio Brown. But I think Antonio Brown is a significant talent who would perform with, frankly, with you or I at quarterback. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going. <laughs> hey, to I was a this, former this. quarterback in high school, so be careful. I was a All former. Right. <laughs> so was my co- so was my co-host Tom Brawley. So uh, you, you guys, you guys would uh, would be able to throw to Antonio Brown. <laughs> Presuming he keeps his head on straight. Uh, and, and another factor is, and I know he's going to be somebody we're going to talk about, but it, it's the emergence of Darren Waller, who, as a matter of fact, at this point is my most drafted Raider uh, because he's been so cheap in drafts. But that, that Jared Cook was such a good, was such a factor for, for Derek Carr, such a quality receiver for him. I think if Darren Waller can step into that role and produce, that's a huge boost to Derek Carr. Um, and obviously Tyrell Williams as a downfield threat. Uh, a couple of years ago when Derek Carr was flirting with the MVP award, uh, uh, he was a very strong downfield thrower. If Tyrell Williams can provide that element, Antonio Brown shows that, hey, I got the right helmet. I'm okay. I can, I'm going to be healthy. He, he performs to the level we anticipate. And then somebody like Darren Miller takes a step forward. Maybe Hunter Renfro helps move the chains. Derek Carr could sneak into that that top 12 range like like I said I do not dislike Derek Carr for fantasy by any stretch of the imagination it's just that he has more questions than the guys in front of him now we all know uh, the Raiders drafted Josh Jacobs late in round one and and last week they released Doug Martin leaving uh, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington as his as his primary backups um, I did see another interesting fact that I want to share um, on fantasypros.com over the last six years running backs drafted in round one have averaged 283 touches in their rookie season do you see Jacobs getting anywhere near that number and this is kind of a two-part question um, where should we be looking to target a running back like Josh, Josh Jacobs in our drafts? Your answer is yes, I do see him approaching that number. And and from a fantasy perspective, most uh, most leagues these days are, are PPR, points per reception leagues. Uh, you, you at least get some value, maybe half-point PPR. I think the industry, uh, uh, FanDuel is a half-point PPR site, so I think the industry is kind of trending in that direction, either half or full PPR. And from my perspective, I really hope that a lot of Josh Jacobs touches come in the passing game because you hear 283 touches. And when, when you're thinking about a running back, you're hoping you're, you, you instantaneously think, Oh, he's running into the line of scrimmage 18 times a game. I don't want that with Josh Jacobs. 
And I think John Gruden doesn't want it either. I think John Gruden would prefer him to carry 14 to 16 times a game, get four to six catches a game. And I think that's really where the sweet spot of where Josh Jacobs' value is going to come. I can see him catching 50 to 65 passes. And if he does that, he is going to be a very, very strong running back. Uh, I've been talking all offseason about how much I really like the third and fourth round running backs for fantasy this year, not just Josh Jacobs, but Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, uh, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman. They're all in that range. I think Josh Jacobs firmly belongs in that range. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm actually uh, excited about Josh Jacobs' upside. I hadn't been drafting him a whole lot early, but recently I've, I've kind of started seeing him on the fringes of the third and fourth round, and I think that's a really great, great spot for him. Josh Jacobs, to me, high-end running back, too, for fantasy. And if you load up on wide receivers early, say you're picking at the end of the first round and you get a Michael Thomas and an Odell Beckham combo, something like that, I am okay with Josh Jacobs as your number one running back if you have those two hammer wide receivers. I think Josh Jacobs, they drafted him to be a three-down back. They drafted him as somebody who can catch the football. My view would be 210 carries, 50 to 60 receptions, and I think he's going to pay off that ADP. I loved how he looked in the preseason. Josh Jacobs is my highest-ranked Raider player, and for good reason. Now, uh, I, I talked about it earlier. Major upgrades were made to the wide receiver position. Let's start with Antonio Brown. Uh, traditionally, you know, he's one of the top receivers to go off the board. This year, you know, we, we see him falling into the late second round um, in 12-team leagues, according to his ADP of uh what I see is 23 now. Um, do you feel comfortable drafting AB as your wide receiver one this year? Ooh, okay, so let me let me go back on something I just said. Josh Jacobs is not my highest-ranked Raider player. Antonio Brown actually is, but Josh Jacobs is the guy I feel much more comfortable drafting than Antonio Brown. Now, Antonio Brown, if you just look at the track record of production, Evan, ranking him where we have him at number nine in a PPR is insane. It's ridiculous. He's in his prime. He's coming off like six consecutive 100-catch seasons. This guy is an all-time great. But what we have built in here is, for on a small level, the quarterback discount. What's, what's his chemistry going to be like with Derek Carr? We haven't seen them out there together, so we don't know that. That's an unanswered question right now. And the bigger discount that we have built in is the crazy discount. Antonio Brown has proven that he's a little, he's a little off, off balance. So uh, we have that built into his ADP as well. But it's hard to justify dropping him below ninth, given his, his track record of production. To say I'm comfortable drafting him as my wide receiver one would probably be incorrect. I have eight guys ahead of him, and I'm much more confident in those eight than I am with Antonio Brown, number eight being Mike Evans. And I think there's a pretty big gulf in comfort between Evans and Antonio Brown. But the advantage you have is, as you said, he's kind of falling into that late second, early third round range. So if you're picking at the top of the draft and you get a running back you feel really good about, like a Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, you can probably offset some of the discomfort you have in drafting Antonio Brown simply because you have that hammer running back that you're really, really excited about. So that is the right spot to be drafting Antonio Brown. Fortunately, because he's falling to the end of the second round, you're likely to get one of those hammer top four Mount Rushmore running backs, whether or not you consider Ezekiel Elliott part of that right now is your own personal preference. 
Uh, but if you do get one of those guys, you could gra- grab Antonio Brown as your wide receiver one, and you have a lot more cushion in the event he goes off the defense. Can Raider fans expect 100-plus catches and 10-plus touchdowns from Brown this year, you think? Yeah. I wouldn't predict them for that high. I would, I would put him around 85. Um, and uh, once again, it's one of those things where if he stays on the field and Antonio Brown is motivated, if I say he's going to catch 80 b- balls, it's going to look low. But if you get to the end of the year and you're like, oh, my God, he's playing with a new quarterback. We should have seen it coming with the feet, with the feet issue, with the helmet issue. Then you're going to look at this and say, man, you projected him for 80 catches. That was way too high. So he's one of those guys you almost have to hedge on a little bit. Um, what I, if you could guarantee me he's going to catch 100 passes this year, well, then I'm moving him up from number nine. But we have him at number nine because I can't guarantee that. I don't have the same level of comfort that he's going to do that as I did the last few years when he was in Pittsburgh. Do you think that any of the other wide receivers are worth worth drafting or maybe keeping an eye on a guy like Hunter Renfro for maybe later in the season as like a free agent pickup? What do you expect? What kind of impact would those guys make? Oh, for sure. Uh, Tyrell Williams, by the way, we have ranked at number 47, which puts him squarely uh, in the wide receiver four tier. Uh, and uh, I know some leagues don't have deep benches, but I'm going to venture to guess in most fantasy leagues, especially 12-team leagues, 48 to 60 wide receivers are going to be drafted. And if 60 wide receivers, meaning five for every team, are drafted, Tyrell Williams should be one of those receivers. He's a guy who's kind of produced in bursts in the past, but he's got a lot of ability. He can run away from defenders, and he can get down the field. So Tyrell Williams is absolutely worth drafting. Uh, In deeper leagues, I think Hunter Renfro, especially in PPR, is worth taking a shot on. We have him at 94 right now, but as you mentioned, that's probably a little bit low for a standard league to carry him on the bench. But what I would expect is at some point, if Hunter Renfro is getting the snaps that uh, it looks like he's going to earn, he's going to be somebody who's going to be a hot waiver wire pickup. Uh, You know, I think we all knew when the Raiders drafted him in the fifth round. We all thought that, first and foremost, I think we all laughed because we knew Gruden probably was calling him this guy every single time that he watched him on tape. But also, I think we, we all knew that Hunter Renfro was a pretty savvy pick there because, to me, he just looked like a guy who's going to be a 10-year pro in the vein of a uh, – to not to fall into the white slot receiver cliche, but I'm going to anyway. But he's going to be like a 10-year pro in the vein of a Danny Amendola, of a Cole Beasley. He might never reach the, high, the highs of a Jarvis Landry or a Wes Welker type of guy, but I think he's going to be somebody who's going to be a solid pro for a long time. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's somebody you're picking up on the waiver wire later in the season. Fantasy football expert Joe Dolan on the line with me talking some fantasy football. Be sure to check out his website, fantasyfreeagents.com. I've just got two more questions for you, Joe. Um, sure. You already talked about him, Darren Waller. Raiders fans, obviously, we're well aware of him, and, and I'm sure that plenty of us are going to be picking him up you know, as kind of a sleeper tight end later in our drafts, but I'm not sure how much of a buzz he is creating nationally. I'm sure Hard Knocks is, is helping with that. Uh, I do yes, see, it is. Yeah, you have him ranked 17th, and that's slightly higher than some of the other sites that I that I've been on um, have ranked him. I believe he's averaging around twenty fourth ranked tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it that you're a little bit higher on Waller than than some of the other sites? A couple things. Number one, this guy's super talented, and we have him in front of, frankly, Evan guys who can't run anymore. I would rather draft Darren Waller twenty times out of twenty before taking a shot on somebody like Jordan Reed or Kyle Rudolph. 
My question as a fantasy player is, if I'm drafting one of those guys, I'm probably drafting an upside number two tight end, okay? Why would I draft somebody like Jordan Reed, who once again is in concussion protocol, looked like he was the slowest he's ever been last year, or Kyle Rudolph, who looked the slowest he's ever been last year, if I have an upside guy like Darren Waller, who's replacing who, what was essentially Derek Carr's number one receiver last year in Jared Cook. Now, the, the receiving core looks totally different to me, but De- Derek Carr has shown a comfort level thrown to the tight end position over the last couple of years with Cook. And this guy, Waller, man, he is super gifted. Like you said, the, the hard knocks buzz, um, I think a lot of people are rooting for him because of hard knocks. Um, I, I think that's going to push him up the draft boards a little bit. But I'd rather take a shot on Darren Waller than some of those older guys who have a lot of injury problems. As a matter of fact, we even have them ranked behind Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson. On the right team, I would take Darren Waller ahead of those guys as well if I want more of an upside. Uh, so I could, I could argue that Darren Waller should be high as number 15 on our rankings. I know you said we're, we're among the highest on him. I think that's been uh, consistent for us this offseason. As I've said, he's been my most drafted Raider in best ball draft as my number two tight end. Um, I, I drafted him in a redraft league a couple uh, weeks ago behind Vance McDonald of Pittsburgh, and I think that's a really good spot for him. I think Darren Waller can make an impact in the red zone. Uh, I think he's got his head on right. I think people are rooting for him. I think he's somebody who can really benefit if Antonio Brown is out there and is consistently uh, drawing coverage away. I think he's somebody who's really going to benefit over the middle of the field. I I would draft Darren Waller, as I said, 100 times out of 100 over a guy like Jordan Reed. That's a wasted pick to me. Darren Waller, that's a go-get-it aggressive pick, and that's why we're ranking him as highly as we do. We're going to finish up with the Raiders' defense here. Uh, we all know how bad the defense was last year, especially from a pass rush perspective. They couldn't stop the run either. It was just bad all around. Um, I, I think we already know the answer to this question, but is there any scenario where you could support starting the Raiders' defense, not drafting, I know they're not going to draft the defense, but maybe on a, a streaming week-to-week basis, uh, if there's a good matchup, what do you think about the Raiders' defense? As I said before, this is where I do take strength of schedule into account. Uh, when I'm when I'm playing when I'm playing a defense, or if I'm drafting a defense, um, I do take into account the division they play in. Two matchups a year against the Chiefs and the Chargers is not a great place to start. Um, obviously, we don't know about the Broncos. Um, and as a matter of fact, what's interesting is if you want a super sneaky DFS defense in Week One. Well, maybe the Raiders at home on Monday night against the Broncos is an interesting play. But that's exactly where I would consider the Raiders. Maybe they get, maybe Cleveland Farrell becomes a, a high end pass rusher, uh, surprises people a little bit as a rookie. Maybe some of these other additions that they've had, uh, Abrams of safety, maybe they come together and they, they start to form a nice cohesive unit here. And by midseason, they're playing a team that, that's banged up, is throwing a backup quarterback out there. Maybe when they play the Bengals in November. Andy Dalton's been getting creamed behind that offensive line. That's a scenario where you can play the Raiders. But when you have a young defense that really struggled last year, uh, by the way, I have all the respect in the world for Paul Gunther. Uh, So he's somebody who I think is going to get this, this, uh, this thing coached up. But when they're when middle of the season, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a couple of these matchups at home where they're playing the Bengals at home or the bears at home or the Titans at home. I wouldn't be shocked if those matchups become something where you say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a shot on the Raiders. But in terms of drafting them, I mean, there's just no reason to do so. 
Wow, there you have it, folks. Uh, if you're prepping for your fantasy drafts, you just got some great information. Joe, that's all I have for you. Again, I thank you so much for, for giving me so much of your time and, and all of your insight. You can follow Joe on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. Check out his website, fantasyfreeagents.com. And also, if you're a serious XM subscriber, check him out on the Fantasy Channel. He does great work. He's one of my favorite guys um, to go to for, for fantasy information. Joe, keep up the good work, and uh, you're the best man thank you very much thanks evan i'll be pleased to join you at any time and that was my interview with joe dolan i want to thank him once again for uh talking with us a little bit and giving us some insight onto fantasy football and that's going to do it for this special edition of just pod baby with evan grote I want to wish all you fantasy players out there good luck uh, You know, in the next couple days as you draft your teams. I hope this podcast helped. And be sure to tune in for our normal weekly podcast dropping on Sunday morning. We're going to be talking 53-man roster, who did Gruden and Mayak decide to go with, were there any surprise cuts, or were there any other guys that we weren't expecting to make the team. I hope everyone has a great weekend, and go Raiders!